Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good. I'm doing a half marathon in like four days, and I just finished a run right before this episode. So it was a little bit sweaty, had the over-ear headphones on, a little uncomfortable, but overall, super excited for the run. And I think this podcast turned out absolutely fantastic. We had Robert Allen, who is the co-creator of Bitcoin and Friends, which is a really funny kind of like South Park, Family Guy-esque cartoon that is 100% Bitcoin themed. And they, you know, are really kind of explaining in a super comical and a little bit dark and uh, and and slightly adult humor esque uh, way the history of Bitcoin and why sound money is important. I had a really great time on this podcast. But before we get into it, I want to tell you about eToro, which is our sponsor, uh, the company that has made it possible for us to be spreading the word of sound money and they have made it possible for people to access bitcoin ethereum and really any other major crypto asset that they desire super super easily and most recently eToro has rolled out a copy trader feature on their platform in the united states and what this enables you to do is not only access the assets that you want but access the strategy that you want um, so you can copy any trader that is on the platform that is like kind of like a proven whitelisted person and essentially every trade they make you make. Um, personally for me, I'm more of a sat stacker and you can copy someone who is using that strategy as well. So if you just want to automate your sat stacking and buying the dip, maybe someone is doing that. Maybe it's me. You can copy them and master that strategy in a completely passive way. So a uh, big fan of what eToro is doing. If you want to check out their website, go to b.tc backslash eToro POV. I know it's a mouthful, but make sure to go there, b.tc backslash eToro POV, so that way we get credit for sending you there. David, how about our next sponsor? Yeah, Celsius Network is one of the newest lending, crypto asset lending platforms. It's kind of like a centralized MakerDAO. Uh, and the benefit from specifically the benefit for Celsius is the much higher interest rates than you will find basically anywhere else. Um, so if you want to trade your contract, if you want to trade your contract risk for centralization risk, the, go check out the rates on Celsius.network. Uh, we know that Dai lending rates have come down and USDC lending rates have come down as this, this, uh, the stability fee has also come down. And so if you guys are trying to seek, uh, goddamn, if you guys are trying to seek better returns, go to Celsius.network, check out the rates. Dai is at it. 6.5%. So that is 2, 2% higher than uh, at Compound Finance right now. Uh, and there's also just a whole bunch of assets. Uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ethereum, you can lend for 3.6%, which I don't know anywhere else where you can lend it that high. Um, and if you want to get $10 of free BTC, you can use our code POV upon sign up and $10 of BTC will be deposited into your account. And let's just talk about this interview a little bit. Like I said, it was fun to not only hear about the show, but also dig into like what drives uh, Robert's, uh, I guess, belief in this system and what he thinks about the entire space. And it was fun to hear David kind of question some of his, mm -hmm. uh, his assumptions. Uh, David, what do you think? 
you know, I actually just think this is really interesting from a content creation perspective, because as we know, the crypto community and the crypto industry loves content. Like even the most sophisticated of fund managers will watch and listen to the shittiest of podcasts. And so like anyone who puts any amount of effort into content creation can do really, really well. And Robert is, don't don't confuse my association with Robert as a shitty content producer because he has some of the, the highest value, uh, highest production value content there is around. Uh, the, the quality is seriously pretty good. I was listening to it at the gym today and uh, the <laughs> some of the, the voices and the the animations and the the sound effects that they have included in the cartoon are, are really really well done uh and so i expect this show to uh, gain a lot of audience as they produce and pump out more and more episodes so tip of the hat to you robert awesome well without further ado let's just let robert talk about the show and his philosophy robert allen all right, guys, I'm super excited to bring Robert Allen, one of the co-creators of Bitcoin and Friends show uh, and an awesome Bitcoiner that I've had the pleasure of meeting at a couple of different conferences. Robert, welcome to POV Crypto. Thanks, Christian. Very good to be here and good to uh, meet you, David, for the first time as well. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Robert. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't heard of Bitcoin and Friends, it's a kind of like Family Guy, South Park style Bitcoin cartoon show. Uh, Robert and who's your co-creator, Robert? I apologize. Uh, is it uh, Uncle my Chris? brother, Chris? Yeah, yeah. We call him Uncle Chris in the show or in the, yeah. you know, the notes at the end. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Robert and his brother create and uh, it's really awesome. And you guys have actually had a decent amount of support for some of, from some of the companies in the space, just because the show is so high quality and really funny. Uh, but before we kind of dive into the first three episodes, I would love to get your story and how you kind of got jumbled up with all this stuff. Well, it's it goes back pretty far, but I'll try to make it concise. Um, so I, I heard about uh, this guy, Ron Paul, <laughs> in uh, 2007. He was running for president. And I think it was the first time that I watched a politician and I thought that he was mostly speaking truth that in, in terms of just the uh, my gut instinct and, and so on. Then I started reading up on his ideas and Austrian economics and um, kind of fell down that rabbit hole worked for Peter Schiff for a few years uh, as a precious metals broker. Um, and then I heard about Bitcoin in 2011, didn't pay attention for about two more years. Uh, I think when I saw it, I was up at Porcupine Freedom Fest, which is this thing up in New Hampshire. It's sort of like a hippie libertarian uh, mishmash or mix up or I don't know. <laughs> so it sounds like you went all the way like libertarian Vermont kind of vibe. Like what were you like before you discovered? Uh, yeah, I went, I went pretty hard. I went pretty hard. Um, well, okay. So I grew up in Ohio. Uh, my parents are like conservative Christian. So, you know, there's a lot that uh, I would say dovetails pretty well with libertarianism coming from that sort of background, like self-reliance, um, you know, the idea that the government oftentimes can do bad things um, and is not always to be trusted. So I kind of had that sort of natural skepticism um, from that upbringing, I think. Uh, but yeah, and then of course, libertarianism also doesn't dovetail with like the war on drugs, for example, which has tended to be more or less supported by conservatives. Um, I think more recently, there seems to be a bit of a sentiment change uh, 
from the right in this way a little bit at least i think there's a little more openness well i mean or there has to be given the the numbers right because you still what is it like 66 percent or so of americans it's a well above 60 percent are in favor of like marijuana legalization for example so uh anyway i'm getting really into the weeds here so basically yeah that was kind of my upbringing i was homeschooled so i also just sort of had a natural um appreciation for finding finding knowledge on my own like going to the library and picking up books and just searching for things that interested me um i was kind of like halfway between homeschooled and unschooled almost because like i basically would do uh like traditional classwork for maybe three or four hours in the morning and then for the rest of the day i was basically free to do whatever i wanted um so yeah so shout out to my mom for uh for doing that because i think i think homeschooling is very beneficial shout out to moms uh, shout out to moms Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny how much self-directed learning is a theme on this podcast yeah it's all industry right yeah i i I would be curious to know like what the percentage of self-taught coders are in crypto but i think it's probably really high um just and of course there are some like classically trained engineers and we need them too right i mean it's uh it's a mix of people but um i think we lost no he just muted his video for internet stuff he's still listening Oh, okay, cool. I mean, this, um, this industry kind of selects for self-taught people, right? Because like, how do you, unless you have a really good friend that's going to teach you about Bitcoin or about crypto economics, like how else do you get into the space? Like you must be a, a what's the word? Autodidact? Is that the right word? Yeah. 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 Autodidact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so, a very good point. Robert, kind of talking yeah. about the space uh, more generally, kind of bef- and before we get into the actual show, What's kind of your interpretation of the space from the sh- what I can see on the show? Uh, it seems more like Bitcoiner uh, leaning and kind of makes fun of altcoins and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what what do you see right now? Yeah, so that's been a little bit of a actually, I guess you could say a debate internally with um, with the team as we've been working on the show. Um, and also, you know, my thinking has evolved quite a bit in the last two years. So, um, you know, I've always been a Bitcoiner. I've always, you know, as soon as I fell down the rabbit hole and basically in like 2013 is when I finally paid attention again and read the white paper and started watching, you know, Andreas Antonopoulos videos and going to, I went to the Bitcoin center in New York. Uh, I was living in New York at that point. And I was going around to to every restaurant that I could find that accepted Bitcoin. (laughs) And, uh, you know, buying food from there with, with Bitcoin. I mean, I was generally like topping back up. So I don't think it really uh, affected Didn't me too much. Didn't hurt the hodl. <laughs> Didn't hurt the hodl too much. But, you know, it's kind of like passe now, which I think yeah, there's there's two sides to that. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So I was, I was going around in New York uh, as much as I could. Just, you know, I started going to the BitDevs meetup. And also there's another... Um, was it uh, NYC Bitcoin um, or something like that? There's another just more general meetup. So anyway, yeah, so that's kind of the the beginning of it. Then I started, as a lot of people do, kind of falling down the the, the shithole hole, the hole of shit. And um, 
You know, I, I guess my thinking now is that I, I, I believe it's more likely than not um, that we're going to have maybe even more than a power law distribution. Like it may be very, very dramatic um, in favor of one asset ultimately uh, winning. And the reason I think that is because, and I think I got confused for a while, you know, because this stuff is technology, um, it's easy to get pulled in different directions and hear all sorts of different theories. But I think fundamentally that Bitcoin is money and that um, like what this invention is about is um, taking money outside of the, the reach of governments and outside of centralized control and um, reshaping the financial system. And so I don't think that, I mean, there probably will be a handful of these assets and, and even just because maybe people for nostalgia reasons or whatever, they may still be trading some of these other tokens. Um, but Those I think will vast, always be around. Right, right. I think it's probably possible exactly that something like that will exist just because it's so silly and fun. Why not, right? But is Doge going to be the money that people are are saving in a serious way to protect their wealth and to transfer around the world? Maybe, but probably not, just given the fact that I don't think there are that many developers actively working on Dogecoin. And I don't actually know the numbers there, but I can't imagine um, that it's anywhere near what Bitcoin has in terms of companies, resources, um, core developers. So... Yeah, so that's kind of where I stand now. When we started on the show, I would say I was more of like a multi-coiner. And um, I guess I just hadn't quite, you know, come to that realization fully. And part, you know, to <laughs> to be very transparent, part of the reason I think I fell down that hole is because I, um, well, I, I had a company I was operating for a couple of years that I was building software for portfolio management. And the idea was that you would have a crypto portfolio and you would manage all of these assets. Um, you know, and so I think sometimes it's easy to be blinded by, um, you know, like people will, will say things about like uh, Eric Voorhees, for example, like is, you know, is it possible that some of his uh, sight into the industry is like blinded or is, distorted, I should say, by the fact that he has certain interests. So I think I was in a similar place um, where I wanted there to be a multi-coin market because that would serve my business. Uh, and ultimately, you know, I, I think um, in some ways, some of this was inevitable. Like I think competition uh, is going to exist. And I think early on here, you know, it, what what was Bitcoin? What is this technology? And and so people are questioning a lot of things and trying to understand it. And so I think there's, it's natural for people to want to play around with, wait, if I can fork this thing and make my own coin, why not? Right. So I guess what I'm saying is I think maybe it was somewhat inevitable that there would be this sort of altcoin craze, but I think there's a lot of danger in just basically spinning our wheels and wasting time as a community um, on little projects that ultimately may not go most of them definitely will not go anywhere um and so i think that's where i stand now is that um i think bitcoin is the most serious shot we have as a community at reshaping how money works and um and changing the world really for the better 
And I think we can get to like, I, I, you know, I was, I got into Ethereum really early on and I was really excited about some of the ideas there. And I think I've lost confidence that it's really decentralized anymore. I'm not really confident that, um, that it, it fits um, that definition. And I think decentralization is extremely important if we want the technology that we, we can confidently say that governments cannot collude to um, influence or take over or corrupt or whatever term you want to use. So I think, I think Ethereum in my mind has, has already lost um, its way. Uh, so, you know, like in the show, um, but it's still the second largest project. So in the show, you know, Ethereum is going to be there, but um, Ethereum is a female character and she's just going to basically get fatter and fatter every episode. <laughs> that's the plan. Oh, that's actually really funny. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> how many, so before we get into it, how many episodes are there going to be? Or do you know? Or are there? Um, well, there's. We're planning for eight for the first season. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll be hopefully releasing episode four within. I don't know honestly because our our uh, production um, schedule has slowed a bit. Because quite frankly, we're we're a little bit low on funds, and so we're trying to figure out how to to make the thing work in spite of uh, you know slowdown in in sponsorships. Uh, but anyway, so, so yeah. Do you but have yeah, eight a, episodes and then hopefully okay. three seasons at least. Mm-hmm. So that would be 24 episodes or maybe more. I mean, it really just depends on if we can, if we can continue to produce and afford to produce it. And um, cause it's not cheap, you know, to, to do good animation. I mean, we were paying for frame by frame animation from like most of our team was in the Philippines. Um, and we were still paying plus, you know, music and, and paying for acting and, Mm-hmm. voice acting and stuff um close to 15 20 000 at least um but mo- first episode quite a bit more than that so so it's expensive um and it's a little hard to find sponsors who are ready to come up with you know 10 grand um and that's kind of what we're hoping for i think now quite frankly if anyone's listening who might be a sponsor uh i think our sponsorship ask is at five thousand right now uh for a for a sponsor for episode four so if anyone out there is feeling generous uh, but yeah, so basically now we're using a new program called Character Animator, which we are hoping will reduce our production costs considerably without without damaging the quality of animation too much. So that's going to be the question that we're going to have to weigh. We need to so, have high quality fattening of ETH. <laughs> so one in full HD. What's the? Uh, um, do you guys have like a, a plot like arc already kind of built in, or how do you? generate like a, the story is it kind of episode by episode or do you guys already kind of have like basically what's going to happen slated out and if you do for how many episodes right so it's again uh we're hoping to do at least three seasons and we have like a story arc for those three seasons that okay um that looks pretty solid so your narrative uh, you know, your what those what those three seasons are going to say is already set in stone well more more or less yeah, I mean, because we're trying decided. to cover, yeah, more or less, we're trying to cover the historical, um, you know, the history, I should say, of Bitcoin and, and this whole movement. So, it, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not exactly repeating, you know, verbatim. It's like mm-hmm. an alternate universe, right? But, uh, but yeah, we are tracking from the beginning, from 2009. Um, and we're trying to do maybe like two years or so per season. So, or three, actually more like three for the first couple of seasons. But point is, like, we're really not going to be hitting on uh, any, like, current events stuff in these episodes until maybe, like, the third or fourth season. 
Ah, okay. Because um, there's so a lot to cover. That brings me to my question. So do you have a contingency plan for if uh, Ethereum 2.0 actually ships and everyone's running nodes and <laughs> Ethereum's not getting fatter? Like, what's your... Uh, what's I mean, your I mean that... that I, yeah, I mean, I guess theoretically that could make its way into... Uh, into the show it's possible um because yeah we're going to still be far away from that event will not be portrayed in the show for a long time um you know like the first first season we're trying to get through like 2013 ish so actually Mm. almost like four years of history yeah so it's it's you know it's still a little bit up in the air obviously like if we think of better things you know like we're always trying to make the show the best that we can make it um and I've actually recently put together a small uh, like kind of writing group, which mm-hmm. is going to be helpful just because, you know, I've been following pretty closely since 2013, but no one person is going to be able to remember every detail and, you know, every funny thing right. that could be pulled, pulled out and used. So, so are you familiar with DAOs in Ethereum? Yeah, yeah, the yeah the whole grant funding DAO, the DAO hack. I remember very well. Just the kind, or or more modern DAOs like mainly Moloch DAO or Yang DAO, or these DAOs that are collecting capital to fund efforts. Uh, So, what Ethereum uh, funded an episode and made a made specific not demands, but like wanted you to fund an episode that would have a certain content and topics in it. Would you be interested in, in taking uh, ether money in order to fund an episode? <laughs> I mean, we're always interested in taking money uh, it, in terms of like dictating what we say. That's something that we're not, not what really you say, interested but like, in. Do, a, do an episode <laughs> about this. Um, I, I mean, it depends. It depends on what, what it is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if it's a good idea and it fits into the show and we feel like it's, it's not uh, sidetracking us from what we want to say, then, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe the contingency work. is adding a new character. <laughs> that could be interesting. <laughs> Throw a mean in there. Who, who, <laughs> who would, would you want to? Character. A mean? Yeah. Is this? You know I mean? uh, no, I don't the know. The chain see. guy. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. okay. I think I, I know who. He very is. controversial figure. Very, very easy to turn into a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that would benefit Ethereum, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> it'd just be funny. Yeah, it would be yeah. funny. He's a funny guy. Yeah. So let's talk about the show. You kind of alluded to it a little bit. You're going over the history of the cryptocurrency space and Bitcoin and all the friends. Uh, first right. episode kind of introduces us to to Bitcoin and your version of Vitalik and a couple other characters. Do you want to kind of just introduce all that? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, for those who haven't watched, uh, Bitcoin is sort of a personification of the network. Um, he pukes up the block reward every 10 minutes, approximately, on average. <laughs> um, and so those I did are see little, that part. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, so those are little coins uh, about, you know, I don't know, a hundredth his size or whatever. Um, but trying to just, in a, in a silly way, uh, explain that Bitcoin is both a network and a currency and help people to understand the difference in, in a sort of way. So there's that. Uh, let's see. We have Jones is the first character that Bitcoin befriends, or I should say that first character who befriends Bitcoin. And he is uh, sort of like an everyman. He's not really um, like a reference to anyone historically per se. But he's sort of just a, a guy who had like an average, nice, you know, middle class life, had wife and kids and everything was going great. And then the financial crisis in 2008 wiped him out. 
lost his home. All these things start going badly for him. His wife leaves him. And uh, then Jones starts uh, selling ice cream and drugs out of an ice cream truck. Uh, so he's got, uh, he's very uh, enterprising. And then he meets Bitcoin and, uh, you know, I don't know, Bitcoin, I think, fills a need for him, which is maybe to, to kind of take care of because um, he's missing that aspect of his life now that his family has kind of abandoned him. Um, so he sort of adopts Bitcoin. So there's Jones, there's, uh, then Jones takes Bitcoin to figure out like, what is this thing? Take, takes him to his computer uh, science buddies, um, Harold and Metallic. And so Metallic is sort of a reference to v- Vitalik Buterin, um, in case that isn't clear to anyone. <laughs> um yeah and he's a fun very fun character he's very lovable he's um he's definitely very nerdy he uh he has a bit we we actually tried we tried to to get someone who could do vitalik's voice but we couldn't do it it was really it was very hard to find anyone even close so we basically gave a voice that's the hardest part but it's like the mumbling afterwards (laughs) afterwards <laughs> like <laughs> watch i've watched vitalik talk at a number of conferences and like he sometimes he just totally forgets that the mic is right in front of his mouth and he just like mumbles mm-hmm. into it yeah, everyone he like, hears mm, it um, um like he makes mouth noises uh-huh. and stuff. yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway we we couldn't quite uh, get that that going so we have just sort of like a generic like nerd almost a, it's a bit of like a, a kip derivative from uh if you guys know that um oh gosh metal uh, napoleon dynamite is, well, yeah yeah no napoleon dynamite anyway sort of like kip from that show so that's that's metallic he's uh, oh and then he also has like this this sort of quasi um sexual like interest in bitcoin which is kind of fun um so yeah he's and he's brokenhearted because bitcoin will not is not interested in in metallic like upgrading him and and adding all of these additional features and so um so then metallic obviously goes off and creates ethereum and uh then we've got harold who is a sort of cautionary tale he's kind of the guy who does like almost everything wrong like he sells a bunch of bitcoin for pizza pretty early and then he um, later on in the show, like he's going to invest in like uh, like BitConnect, you know, and like he's just going to do all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, lives in his parents' basement. He's also, I mean, like uh, I guess an everyman in the sense of he's he's like a struggling, very very struggling millennial. Uh, you could say he's and there's quite a few of those. Millennial. He's what a dumb struggling millennial. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, he's he's not, you know, he's not an idiot. I mean, he, he can play video games very well. And that takes some kind of intelligence, of course. And, um, you know, he does, he can do a little bit with computers, I would say. He works at best purchase. So he can, you know, he can build a new computer probably from from parts, I would say. So he's not totally dumb, but he's just, he's just struggling. And then... Um, who else do we have main characters? Well, then we have some villains. Uh, so you have Jameis Sapphire. Um, and he just sort of represents the, uh, the establishment uh, bank cartel. And, um, and then we've got, well, of course, Charlie Lee. Charlie Lee, actually, as I 
as we call him in the show. Um, and he is actually uh, an alien. Well, he's, he's, he's a human who's then possessed by an alien, um, sort of like, uh, like the men in black scene. We basically rip that off, which is fun to do. So, and yeah, Charlie Lee is fun. He's, um, so why is Charlie Lee a bad guy to you? Um, I mean, he's not, he's more of like in the show, he's more of like a patsy than a bad guy. But I guess in like in real life, I mean, I've never met, I've never met Charlie Lee. So uh, I just think it's hard to, I don't know how to say this in it. I, I think um, when he sold all of his Litecoin at the top of the market, claiming that he was doing it because he didn't want to have a conflict of interest with everyone who was holding Litecoin, that to me is a really, really um, bad thing to do and well he also uh, said he also called the top like he publicly publicly said like this is the top these prices are ridiculous at the same time and at least right. he did it publicly right yeah i mean that's that's true I, I mean i think of course like i don't think it's i don't think it was illegal of course for him to do that i just don't think it was like i i, I just i don't know i don't understand like it, it's a to me it's a big conflict of interest if you are developing a project and you're working on it and you don't have any skin in the game you don't actually own any of this thing um you know it's i don't know it just seems weird and uh and also litecoin is just kind of a silly i'm trying to get charlie on the podcast joke so say again christian sorry i'm trying to get charlie on the podcast yeah yeah, no, I mean, I watch the Magical Crypto Friends once in a while, and um, I don't know. I mean, eh, it's tough. It's it's hard. It's like we're all trying to to do what we think is right. Maybe he totally felt like he was doing the right thing. I just, I think it's uh, it's at least worth us laughing at him for it because it's very much a conflict of interest, in my opinion, to sell <laughs> to sell every Litecoin uh, that he owns, or at least that's what he claims. And uh, I don't know. It's just weird. So, uh, but yeah, so that's Charlie, but he's basically like a henchman for these aliens who uh, essentially don't want Bitcoin to succeed because they don't want humanity to advance to a type one civilization and start, you know, flying around in space. So the best way to do that is to make sure that we don't uh, replace fiat central banking with something that actually works. So that's kind of what their their deal is, or at least that's what it seems to be they're trying to to do. So they, so he creates Litecoin, and then uh, in episode four he's going to fork. Uh, they, the aliens tell him to fork Litecoin again, and that creates Feathercoin, which actually is technically true. Feathercoin was a fork of Litecoin, and then um, Feathercoin is going to be forked again into Shitcoin, and there's we're going to actually just have a shit like a shit emoji, I think the idea nice so So, um just really breaking it down as easy as possible what's like the ultimate ambitions for the show uh ultimate ambitions i mean i would love it if like every japanese schoolgirl was running around with bitcoin and friends paraphernalia that would be you know that's uh that's when we know we we have succeeded no, no. I mean, I think even more than that, uh, I'm being a little facetious, although that would be pretty funny. But um, I would say... I know a guy. <laughs> you know a guy about what? Who's going to... can make all this paraphernalia. All right. Well, let's, let's make it happen. Uh, I like it. 
but yeah, no, I mean, the, the, I guess the biggest ambition of all with this project is that we would like to help push forward Bitcoin adoption um, globally by introducing these concepts, hopefully in a way that's very novel, fun, um, entertaining. Um, you know, I mean, it's interesting to be alive at a time where we're working on something that's really obviously never existed before, at least not um, maybe in a prior civilization that nuked itself to death. But, you know, I mean, in terms of, of this iteration of human history, we don't know of blockchain uh, prior to Bitcoin. So it's very interesting technology. And it's also, you know, I, I see Bitcoin as the first of these, like essentially a decentralized autonomous, you know, company or organization. Bitcoin is the first one. Um, and it has a, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have governance quote built into it. Uh, but, but it, uh, and it doesn't need that because ultimately, uh, Bitcoin basically is like, I mean, maybe a better metaphor is that it's, it's like a living organism and humans can interact with it. And if we do things that are beneficial for Bitcoin, then we may benefit from that. Um, uh, you know, and, and if we're all working together and, and spurring adoption and we're holding Bitcoin, then we obviously benefit from that because the price rises um, but yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And so I guess I wonder about the show if perhaps Bitcoin and friends will function similar to like the marketing arm of a corporation, um, for Bitcoin. And, uh, I mean, obviously anyone who's talking like what you guys are doing is, is, you know, to some degree a marketing arm for, for your projects, for, for Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever it is you're into. So you think that, uh, so how, I think a lot, a lot of the jokes that I watched when I was watching the first episode and, and some of the subjects we just talked about now is pretty nuanced. Like, how do you, how do you feel about some noob, some blockchain 101 noob coming in and watching Bitcoin and friends? Like, how do you think they would get it or do you think they would be kind of confused? Um, well, I think on the sort of the noob end, my hope would be more that they would be interested enough in the story and the characters to want to watch it. And then I think if they get pulled in that direction far enough, then they might start actually wondering, oh, well, what is this thing they're talking about? What is this element? What is this word I've never heard? And maybe they'll you know, go and actually Google it around and start reading. So, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't think, like, I think the show, we're trying to appeal to people who are in the space and who understand the technology. And so we're definitely putting some esoteric stuff in there because we love this whole world right and we want to we want to um make something that that is actually um respectful and and um you know that that takes it seriously um and so yeah anyway i guess bottom line is i think we're trying to to balance between making something that is a little bit more serious and like technical versus something that's more mainstream and and i think there's we're trying to thread that needle and hopefully or you know whatever the phrase is we're trying to make that work so i find it so hard to do beginner newbie stuff like if i sit down with someone who's like really interested i can really kind of figure out what makes them tick and then kind of speak to that but to like create general newbie content like david and i tried at the beginning to do that and then we found out our niche was not that at all it was like we we need to go hardcore for enthusiasts like that was definitely our strength like how do you kind of go about thinking about 
you know, creating uh, and breaking down the high level concept of like shitcoin bad, Ethereum's getting fat, um, you know, all this kind of stuff that is pretty nuanced. Sure, sure. Uh, so I guess I think that um, I think we want to to pull people in first and foremost to the story. And so, like in other words, I think sometimes if you if you create like quote unquote entertainment that is obviously educational, um, people get really turned off by that. It's almost like you're lying to them or something. So, uh, or actually maybe it's, it's not that you're lying. It's just that, um, it's just that it's not, it's usually, it's usually not that educational and it's also not that entertaining. So it's just sort of like a, a, a lukewarm soup or something like it just doesn't really work. Um, so I think for this project, we really are focusing like first priority is to make hopefully really compelling entertainment that, you know, has a story that people want to keep coming back to characters that are memorable and lovable and that people want to, uh, to kind of grow with. And then I think if we hook them in that way, um, then we can sprinkle in these more esoteric things. And then again, some of them will get them these references and we'll, we'll dig and learn probably many won't. Um, but I think the the bigger vision here is like, how do we, like most people don't know how the internet works, obviously um, very few people, but they still use it every day. So I think with Bitcoin to me, it's, it's less about teaching people how the technology works. Like most people don't need to know that they just need to know enough to like, make sure that they're securing their keys properly and certain things. Obviously there's certain technical things that we shouldn't skip. Um, but a lot of the technical stuff I think ultimately is probably not going to be known by most people. And, uh, but I do think it's more important that we teach the reason for Bitcoin to exist, which is that, you know, uh, central planning of government, uh, of, of economies and of money systems, um, is, fraught with problems and uh, I think has proven to be a giant failure. And we are living at the end of that millennials and Gen Z and everything. And we're, we're sort of inheriting all of this nonsense. Um, And so I I feel like if we can, if we can really convince people of the error of our ways as a species and, and going in the direction of central banking and planning and socialism and things like that, um, if we can show them why they need to use Bitcoin, um, that's definitely beneficial. And it's not to say that they won't even still use it simply because the price is going up and they want to get rich, right? There's plenty of people who are getting pulled into this space who don't understand the philosophical underpinnings, but they're just doing it because they want to make money. And that's okay. There's no, no problem with that. But I do think it would be better if, you know, if, if, if you're a Bitcoiner and that means that you own Bitcoin, but that you also understand the, the philosophy that birthed Bitcoin. Um, and, and, you know, because otherwise in, you know, a couple hundred years time, humanity could be back where, where we are again, because they forgot that, Oh, we don't want inflation or something. And, and they, you know, some crazy politician changes the code to Bitcoin and now it's, and he's got the key to, to, you know, to, to, to print Bitcoin when he wants to, right? So, so in other words, like we, it's not enough to have a system that works. We also need to have um, people who are educated enough to protect that system and to make sure that it doesn't get co-opted or, um, 
or you know, uh, yeah, co-opted is is a good word. So, so anyway, does that yeah, all, does that make yeah. sense? And to, to that point, I'm actually I want to bring up I'm I'm a little bit bearish on people coming in and like becoming a Bitcoiner or becoming an Ethereum or becoming like somebody like us that yeah. consumes and produces content about narratives and about like why we're doing this and the rationale behind it and what's good and what's bad. Like I right. don't think that that knowledge scales very well because like no one makes content to onboard people to like who we are today because either like somebody is either destined to make it all the way to like a full bitcoiner or for a full crypto person or whatever or they're just not interested and there's no in between there's no like demand for 101 content because people either get turned off immediately or immediately go from 101 to 102 to 201 301 401 and then, and then they're making a podcast. Like people go really hard or they don't go at all in crypto. And kind of yeah. like to, to your point, what you were talking about, how like today we don't know how the internet works. Well, if like the bull case for any of these crypto economic networks actually fulfills, becomes fulfilled, like the idea is that they're not going to know how, they're not going to have to know how Bitcoin or Ethereum works either. Like if, if you are required to understand the intricacies of crypto economic networks in order to use them, like we're not going to do what we think that these things. Right. Of course. I think these people are, there's going to be, there's always going to be the people like us, but the, the idea is to grow the usability of our networks so that people don't have to be like us. Agreed. Agreed. Because uh, yeah, not all humans are, um, are, are geared and engineered the way that we are. We're, uh, we have a certain type of mentality and certain kind of mind, uh, you know, uh, tendency toward, you know, computer literacy and on the high end of that usually. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, but, but I do think that, you know, and this is what I was trying to, uh, to, to get across is I think there's a difference between knowing the technical um, underpinnings of a technology versus understanding why it's necessary and, and why it's better. And I think that um, is, I, I hope, something that we can push forward with the show is to explain why Bitcoin is better money. You don't need to know how it works. Um, and obviously if you want to learn, there's plenty of resources and I would encourage anyone and everyone. Uh, and I do think that's one thing that we can all, um, you know, as a society push forward, which is like, Hey, it, you know, we should all be learning and all be growing, even if it's not your comfort zone, even if you don't think you're good at math or whatever, you know, you never know, push yourself. Or maybe you had one bad experience at a certain age and you, you said, oh, I'm, no, I'm not a math person. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe you come back at it five years later and your, your brain's in a different place and you're better able to approach it. So bottom line is like, yeah, we should all be pushing ourselves. But I realize pragmatically, practically that there probably will be many people who never understand the technical stuff. And, uh, and that's okay. So we just need to at least get people on the same page in terms of the reason for this technology. Uh, existing. I think, I think there's benefit in having that cohesion, um, maybe similar to, you know, just uh, culture more broadly, right? The idea that like, we're able to get along uh, relatively peacefully because we share values and we share uh, understandings and we have a common language, right? And so, so to the degree that we can help foster that, um, I think that's good. And I think, in a way, like Bitcoin is like any ideology, it's, it, it's kind of a bit of a religion in a sense. And, and I hope people don't take that in a negative way, because I think religions obviously, you know, can do negative things and have at times. But, um, 
but I, I think more and more about Bitcoin kind of as a, a religion in a sense. And uh, so, and I, yeah, I want to play around with that in the show, I think as well as we go forward. Um, that sounds very interesting. I was actually, I, also I was debating that. which question to ask you. And one of them was asking about how Bitcoin as a religion could potentially uh, advance it and protect it into the future. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it really is like there's a core of, and I would say I'm in this boat, highly um, ideologically driven people, people who have decided that, you know, I could do a lot of things in life, but I believe that devoting my life to this cause is the best, um, is the most moral thing that I can do, is the best thing, the best way that I can use my life. And, and, uh, and I, cause I, I think a lot of people who are like really hardcore libertarian, that's, um, I think that's what's driving a lot of them, at least for those that come like I do from a Christian conservative background, because, you know, as much as I would, would say, I'm essentially like a skeptic now, right. I'm like the, the doubting Thomas, um, of my family. Uh, I still see benefit in like, even if, uh, kind of, what is it? Who is it? The, who's the guy who, oh shit, I can't think of his name. Is it Thomas Aquinas? Um, well, it's, it's basically the, the idea that like, Hey, if you don't have, you don't have anything to lose, right? Just live your life according to this set of rules, this religion, and it's going to help you live a good life. And if you die and go to heaven, that's great. And if you die and there's nothing, well, then you still lived a good life. I can't remember. There's, there's, um, there's a term for that, that argument. Um, by one of the the Christian, uh, you know, sort of like luminaries. But yeah, anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think that Bitcoin to me is similar in that um, we don't know what's going to unfold with with all of this that we're doing. It's possible that we could all, like it's possible that it it could all break down and and go away Um, or there could be some crazy nuclear wars or I don't know, you know, we don't know the future. Um, But given what we do know, uh, it, it seems like this is a really good use of our time to, to build Bitcoin, I guess is what I'm saying. And so, uh, so in that way, I, I think there is that sort of, um, there's that zeal that you find with a lot of people. Uh, and sometimes it's more subdued or maybe they won't come out with it and say it quite like I am. But I feel like that's, that's what's driving a lot of people. I mean, then again, of course, a lot of people are also driven by greed. It doesn't hurt that Bitcoin is a money system that has specific incentives in place. Uh, you know, so to me, it's, it's amazing because I guess it, and maybe this is what's so exciting to me about it is it's, it's a technology that has really started, uh, started to coalesce around it, a group of very different types of people, but they all, like, it seems like we're all being able to work together uh, more and more given this shared um, sort of core um, ideology. And so, yeah, so maybe it's just more about how do we organize society and maybe this is, is going to be um, one of those like anchors that, that we need and that we are, we're kind of losing our moorings and things are going crazy. So Bitcoin is like this anchor that we can all grab onto. I, I tend to agree. And I'm actually curious, David, what's kind of your take on like the, the, the fanatic aspect of these uh, network systems? And I mean, I think Bitcoin, some Bitcoiners have started to really embrace it. Curious mm-hmm. what people are thinking about it on the ETH side. 
Um, I'm not sure if my attitude actually represents the Ethereum attitude at large. Uh, I, I like the religion analogy um, it, because I think it also is paired with the immune system analogy as well. Like mm. if some person comes in, you know, spreading FUD, well, then the immune system on Bitcoin or Ethereum will come and, and shut that down. Um, right. At the same time, I've kind of uh, modeled Bitcoin as religion and Ethereum as the state. Uh, kind of as these very early systems that people have organized themselves by because religion is first and foremost an organization scheme like how do humans uh, organize themselves in bands that are larger than Dunbar's number which Dunbar's number is 150 it's like the thesis of like monkey tribes can't get bigger than like 150 because they just become unstable and they splinter well religion was the vehicle to which we could scale up social organizations like a across um, like you know, huge massive landscapes and it's this shared mm. narrative this shared story that we all believe in that allows us to to uh, communicate with each other if even if like across skin colors across you know across um, you know genders like whatever um, across time if for that matter right uh, and so uh, and so that's kind of like what Bitcoin is right like you can go across the world and be like oh you're a bitcoiner like immediately I share all of these values with you like at least 95% of them. Right, uh, and right. In Ethereum, I kind of view as more of a cyber nation uh, where like instead of religious zealots, you have like um, uh, just patriots, like uh, whatever the, the slightly, uh, slightly negative term for a, a religious or a patriot zealot is. Um, <laughs> and so I think, I think Ethereum is more like that simply because like... Uh, Ethereum kind of represents something closer to a nation state than a religion simply because of the way that it's structured with the whole, um, with the whole bonding market. It was staking in cities of sorts. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, and then a th- and then Metallic's the king. I'm sorry, Metallic's the king. The, mon- the monarch. <laughs> the monarch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't really do too much anymore, but that's kind of in the past. Yeah. Debatable. The first, the first, definitely not debatable. Like all of the EIPs that went into Istanbul, like he didn't even touch. So no, it's not debatable. Um, Listen to the other 95 episodes if you want to debate that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, even Vitalik has commented on this. Like the the whole, we, of course he's commented on it. The the changing the monetary policy, like that wasn't Vitalik. Um, EIP 1559 was a brainchild of Vitalik that was pushed forth by Eric Connor. Like the reason why, like, and then reinvented by Vitalik, and then yeah, well, a, another proposal was proposed by Vitalik. But these are all just proposals. Like, Ethereum's immune system will go after Vitalik too, as it has in the past. Um, which is, but this is a separate subject. Anyways, hmm. Bitcoin is uh, Bitcoin is generally like this this cyber religion, and I see Ethereum as this cyber state. But both have it, their own like community immune systems, this community patriot or zealotry that, that is associated with them. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I to to call something a cyber nation is scary to me because I, I see nation states as as being generally very broken and mm-hmm. probably not fixable. Right. So, so well, to, yeah, to, traditional you know, nation states for sure. But yeah. in the same way that religion is inherently broken, and Bitcoin is this new religion with actual substance behind it, Ethereum is a nation state that has all the shitty things pulled out of it. It's like the same, it's the same thing about committing things to code and having it being unsubjective and just a, 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 a it's a stripped down nation state. So it's kind of like how libertarians want there to be the minimal viable nation state 
either you're a libertarian that wants absolutely no nation state or you're the one that wants like the smallest nation state possible. To me, Ethereum right. is like the smallest nation state possible, with, but with the largest impact. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just I love think... it when I bit, make Bitcoiners make that sound. Well, it's just because I'm try. I want to be um, concise. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that Ethereum is actually decentralized. So not not today. Like, You're totally right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if it's not decentralized, then um, like to me, that's the cornerstone that makes everything else work. And so if you if you remove that piece from the puzzle, then you don't have anything of value really um in my mind and so that's where i don't i don't see like you know and then then it's just to me then it's rainbows and unicorns and stuff where it's just a lot of talk about how things are going to be done um and i I guess really what it is to me is i think fundamentally i and you know don't get me wrong don't get me wrong i'm not uh, i'm not saying i'm like the the core dev level of software Mm -hmm. development but i've written code i've i just finished uh programming bitcoin by jimmy song um I've written solidity code. I played around with, with that a decent amount. And, and I guess it really just is maybe the, the most sort of uh, charitable way of saying all this is I think Bitcoin is making the right engineering decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, Bitcoin is, is moving slowly in some ways. Um, it's moving cautiously, right? And we have a base layer that is is primarily for storage of value and for movement of that value in a trustless manner. And then once that system has proven itself, which I think we're getting, we're getting there, you know, 10 years in um, it's working. So, you know, then the plan is to basically ossify that layer um, probably very soon, you know, Mimble Wimble and a few, or not, sorry, not Mimble Wimble. What's the, um, there's a few proposals. Schnorr, thank you. Schnorr and, and Taproot, thank you. So there's a few proposals. And then once those are decided on and implemented or not or whatever happens, but it doesn't seem like there's really much more that, that will be added or should be added. Um, and I th- right, But these are all things talking about what you want Bitcoin to be. And no matter if Bitcoin does or does not implement those things, like Ethereum will always want to be something different. And so like when you say like, I think Bitcoin's making the right choices, they're the right choices for Bitcoin, but it doesn't doesn't change the direction that Ethereum wants to go in, which is a inherently different direction. It's a proof of stake smart contracting platform rather than a proof of work uh, hyper simple platform. And so, like we we couldn't do some of those things. We, Ethereum can't do those things by design. Right. Yeah. And I guess again, I'm just saying that I don't think that the Ethereum model will ultimately work. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. That's basically where I stand. And I, I think mm-hmm. that um, it's trying, it's tried to do too much and it's, um, it's just not, it's not built in a scalable manner. And I also don't, I'm not confident that proof of stake will work. It's just, there's so many, it, it's like, to me, let me put it this way. It's like, after looking at the tech closely and, and digging into it as much as I can as a, you know, self-taught software developer, I feel immensely more confident in what Bitcoin is doing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Ethereum to me looks like a toy for, for like computer geeks who want to play around with fun, fancy stuff and make 
collectible cards and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, may, I mean, maybe it will have a small uh, use case in some manner, perhaps. But uh, to, to me, this this was always about um, building a new financial system that is that is uh, separated from governments. So that then, you know, that's where I don't see Ethereum ultimately um, delivering and maybe it never was supposed to um, or whatever argument you want to make. But uh, yeah, that's what would it take to change your mind? What did it take to change your mind about Ethereum? Yeah. Like what would it because an Ethereum set that question against me. um, Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to think about it. Uh, Well, I guess I would have to be convinced that proof of stake is not a system that is inherently flawed, um, which I've never really been convinced of that. And then I guess, secondly, I would have to be convinced that the the network architecture is going to actually scale so that you can have, you know, tens of thousands of nodes uh, that are all running and keeping the the blockchain um, secure. I don't, you know, barring, and that to me is maybe the biggest of all, because it's, I mean, if Ethereum is running in like a, in, you know, I don't know, 20 data centers around the world, it's not that difficult for, for a government to step in, you know, tell Amazon, I don't know, who knows? It's just, it just, to me, it seems like a massive point of attack um, that, uh, that that's too, too dangerous to, um, to play with like i just it's just to me it's dead i guess is what we I'm also saying. don't want that we also think that would be a bad thing right mm-hmm. so but but if uh, it's one thing to want it it's another thing to actually make it so and I, I you know i don't know the node numbers but it's just uh from what i'm hearing and what i'm reading it seems like it's almost impossible to even like build and sync uh you know a new node and um you should try it. I want to make like Ethereum node uh, definitions on the mm-hmm. podcast. Like I want to have someone on to like define it all. Cause I feel like there's some massive cognate cognitive dissidence between what people consider nodes in Bitcoin and what people consider nodes in Ethereum and how it all works. So I think that that'd be pretty useful, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I mean, I think all the, I think it needs Lindy, especially on this proof mm-hmm. of stake stuff. Right. Um, that's so and, we're totally going to erase is our Lindy. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Robert, this is super interesting. I think this conversation went in a lot of different directions, but ultimately it was really uh, good to get your take on education and making of the show and all that good stuff. Uh, if you are a, uh, if you are a business person in the space and want to advertise, I can attest the ads at the beginning of each show are awesome. Uh, and I would love to see what happens <laughs> next. So, Please try to support Robert. Please try to support Bitcoin and friends. Uh, Robert, who do you want to hear from other than potential sponsors and where can people find you? Yeah, so we're on the world, world wide web. Um, Bitcoin and friends, if you just Google that, you'll get all our stuff. I think it's usually BTC and friends like on Twitter and Facebook, things like that. Um, I mean, we love really hearing from just about anyone. Um, you know, give us love on Twitter, follow us on there. Um, we're definitely looking for people who are good animators. We're always interested in speaking to animators, if, especially if you know a uh, character animator, which is an Adobe program. Give us a ring. And then, uh, yeah, otherwise, just, you know, check out the show. Tell people about it. 
spread the word. Cool, Robert. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Always a good time to debate uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, regardless of what the subject actually was. You guys can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Medium. Christian? On Twitter at CK underscore Snarks. Always a good time on there. David and I always getting chippy. I was uh, drunk tweeting at David a little bit this weekend, so... Think, things things escalated a little bit but that was pretty funny make sure to follow us both so you don't miss out on any of the action oh i was also drunk actually <laughs> that's probably why i got so chippy <laughs> all right thanks robert cool thanks guys that was fun peace peace It's a fool.